Well, if you would find Acts chapter 2 in your New Testament this morning, Acts chapter 2, we are in part 2 of our series called Something Greater. The point of this entire series is to look at the work of the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He does, and why we need Him so desperately. Last week, we talked about promises. We talked about promises that are made and promises that are broken. And, and we went through a list of, of, of promises that, that we as humans make to one another. And we talked about how promises are made, but promises are also broken. And we make promises sometimes that, that we, we just don't keep. And we looked at Acts chapter 1 and in John chapter 16, and we were reminded of God's promise to his people to provide a helper for us, the Holy Spirit. We looked at who the Holy Spirit is and we saw that the Holy Spirit is, is, is not just an influence. He's not just a force that, that we have access to. He's not just this, this, this thing that does stuff for us. But we saw that the Holy Spirit is a person, that he does personal work. He does personal things in your life and in my life, that he is a person. He's not an it. He is the third part of the Trinity. And we asked the question of how are we using this promise? How are you using the promise of the Holy Spirit in your own heart and in your own mind? And what will you do with the promise? Do you recognize the need that you have for more of the Spirit's work in your life? We saw that the promise that we receive is the promise that God knew that we would so desperately need. God has not changed. He is, he is still keeping his promises. He is, he is always dependable. We can trust him. He is good. As we just sang, he is life. He is, he is everything that we need. And we can be sure that when he says that he is making a promise to us, that he is going to keep his promise, that he is a person of his word. What are some of the things that he promises to do? Well, he promises to never leave us, or forsake us. He promises to be our guide, to guide us in, in all things. He, he promises to supply our every need. And he also says that his grace is enough. That he is enough. And those are promises. And those promises will never fail. That he will never fail you and he will never fail me. He will never fail his people. And he will always keep his word. If anyone has ever broken a promise, we serve, follow, know, and are loved by a promise maker and a promise keeper. And we can stand firm on those promises. We can read this truth of, of his promise to us, his promised Holy Spirit in the New Testament, and we, we can stand firm on those promises that, that we will never be in a more, in a more solid footing that the foundation will never be more secure than when we stand firm in him, when we trust him. If God has said it, he will do it because he never breaks a promise. 
Last week we saw in Acts 1 that Jesus reminded the disciples that that something that he promised was going to come to them. Now we have to remember as we read the New Testament that that the disciples, they were were here, uh, they, they were... They, we have to remember where they were. Like, if you can put your mind there, as, as Pastor Andrew tried to get us to think about earlier, like, they, they had walked with Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus. And, and, and now they're kind of in this strange limbo stage where they're just, they didn't know what to do now that Jesus was no longer going to be with them. And they wouldn't have his presence with them as we're so used to now in our own culture. We know what that feels like, but these, these, these men and these women who were following Jesus at this time, they had no idea what was getting ready to happen. So put yourselves in the position of these early Christians. I want you to really think about that for just a minute, what it must have felt like to be sitting in that moment. Let's get our minds there for just a minute. Just imagine for a second not having the comfort of the Savior present with you. And consider how especially significant that would be after watching him be brutally murdered on the cross. Also, also after having your, your hopes of, of political and social revolution now dashed on the rocks. Also not knowing how long you'd be waiting for this mysterious promise from, from God. And combined not having Jesus, who also, it, just, it was just such a challenge for them. Not having his spirit and his comfort, his guidance, his wisdom, his companionship, and his teaching. Just imagine what that must have felt like for three years they had walked with the Savior. He was constantly pouring into them in personal, visible ways realize how much they actually needed him and how much we need him now. And just like we cannot accomplish any kingdom work today without the spirits, the disciples, they could not accomplish what they needed to do without Jesus or his spirit. Jesus had been healing people He had been working miracles all around them. He was raising the dead to life. He was teaching the word of God. He was saving people. And all of those needs were still there. Jesus had died on the cross. He had risen from the dead. He was teaching the disciples. But but these needs still existed. And they were not able to do those things. The things that Jesus would empower them to do without his power in their lives. You see, previously, for the disciples, it was Jesus. But now they were were left feeling empty, and they were left feeling powerless. That may have been some of the things, some of the conversations that the disciples may have had with one another. The Spirit was the source of the power that they needed, but they had to wait for Him. Even as they looked around and they saw all that needed to be done, they were called by the Savior to wait. They saw all these people who needed to be healed but, and reached, but Jesus told them not to go, not to leave, not to get busy until they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. 
The reality for the disciples and the reality for you and for me, for us as the body today, is we are in entirely helpless without him working in our hearts. So today, while we have the blessing of having the Spirit with us, we can never forget that we are helpless without him. So here in Acts chapter 2, we see this all unfold, and, and I really wish I could rewind the clock and just watch this moment on the highlight reel. Because Jesus will now deliver on the promise. The wait is now over. Can you just imagine for a second what it, just think about times where you've had to wait for something. How absolutely excruciatingly miserable it is sometimes to wait. The Spirit is unleashed on the church and he lights a flame that can never be extinguished. You see, the Spirit fills us with his power. Look at verse 1 here in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, uh, this is right around the feast of, this takes place during the Feast of Weeks, which is seven weeks after the Passover. And it says they were all gathered together in one place. Verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are we not, are, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And then, and then, uh, Luke highlights and lists this, this long list of people all, that were scattered all throughout the, the region. And so much diversity is represented here that the gospel is for all nations. Verses 9 through the first part of 11. But catch the last part of verse 11. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? This was a a crazy moment for these people. But there were others who said they are filled with new wine. So, quick reminder before we go further in the text. The Holy Spirit has existed since the beginning. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, throughout the book of Psalms, that He is eternal. The Holy Spirit is he's, he's holy, He's all-powerful, He's all-knowing, he He's everywhere. The Holy Spirit is truth, he's, he's wisdom, he's knowledge, he's, he's, he's life-giving. The Holy Spirit has a mind, he speaks, he is sensitive, he can be lied to, and he can even be rejected. He was present and he was active in many works that we read about in our Old Testament and even prior to this moment, but he had a different role then. And he didn't permanently indwell people. 
So that's what we see happening here in Acts 2. The Spirit fills believers, he, he empowers them, and He never leaves. You see, for us, once we repent and we believe the gospel, we are saved and the Spirit takes up residence. The Spirit moves into our hearts, as Ephesians 3 reminds us. And the Spirit's work and existence, it often looks strange to the watching world. And so that's what we see taking place here in Acts 2. Some strange, really weird things are taking place. We don't think so today because we, we know the rest of the story. But this is a really strange moment. So don't be so hard on those who are saying, these dudes are drunk. Like, don't be so hard on those guys. We probably would have said the same thing. We must seem crazy to the watching world. All this spirit talk can sound insane and can be uncomfortable to a lot of the people depending on where you come from or what your faith background is. And it's true. The Holy Spirit does get blamed for a lot of things. For the last 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has told me to do something and that has been an excuse given by so many people to make terrible choices that are just plain foolish. But I fully believe that the Spirit guides us and He speaks to us individually in ways that we can understand. And although it's, it's never been an audible voice for me personally, like I said last week, I will never ever say that He doesn't or that He can't. Regardless, Anytime I've heard the Spirit prompt me, it's been more of a leading than a voice. But the point is, I understood. Although daily guidance is incredibly important to a believer, the Spirit is given to us for many different reasons. He fills you and I with everything that we need to do the work that God has called each and every one of us to do. The filling of the Spirit makes us able to do His work. So what are some of the things that the Spirit enables us to do? Well, the Spirit fills us with the power to proclaim the gospel. Look at verse 14 here in Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, he's quoting from, from Joel here, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days I sh it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Big moment right there. Because women didn't get things like this in this culture. This started its own battle, by the way. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams. Even on my male servants and female servant in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be burned, turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. 
And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Skip down to verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, here it is, this promise once again, for the promise is for you. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. It's a spirit-filled moment. Peter preaches the gospel to a, a lost, far-from-God audience and the Spirit empowers his words, and lives are eternally changed. If he would have tried to preach this message just one day earlier, it wouldn't have had the power. It wouldn't have had the same effect. You see, he shares the hope that comes from the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and 3,000 people follow Jesus. That's a really good day in the church. I've often wondered, is the church seemingly powerless today because we try to proclaim a gospel that is not spirit-filled? It's not spirit-influenced. We just finished a series about, about making a, a kingdom impact, making an impact for the kingdom, the kingdom that is out of this world, reaching people who are far from God, who are in need of a savior, this, this process of making disciples and giving of our time and our talents and our treasures. You see, if we as the church body, as Christians, if we want to reach people who are far from God, we will need the Spirit's help. The early church couldn't do it on their own. Your hero of the faith that you love to read about, that we wish we could go back and experience some of those movements of God that the guys like D.L. Moody got to experience or, or even Billy Graham. And, and, and we, we ask these questions of how did they do it? They did it because the Spirit was filling the moment. They needed exactly what you and I need today. That we cannot fulfill our mission of going into all the world and proclaiming the gospel to everyone without the Spirit working in us. We cannot lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot make disciples without the Spirit of God working in you. We put out a challenge this year to be very focused on reaching people who are far from God. In our, in our previous series, we, we, we mentioned this, this process of, of building and sharing 
and bringing. Are we doing that? Are we spending time asking God to fill us with his spirit so we can have gospel-centered and gospel-saturated conversations? We encouraged everyone to build a relationship with somebody who doesn't know the Savior. Do you know anyone who doesn't know the Savior? If the Spirit is working in you, their eternal destiny is going to matter to you. So have you built a relationship? Have you shared your faith? Have you shared the gospel? Have you shared what God has been doing in and through your life? Have you, have you, have you brought anyone to come to church? Are you building a relationship and sharing your faith with someone who is far from God? We have a little tool here in this church called the One Campaign. One Savior, one person, one day at a time. I have three ones. Maybe you have two or three. Maybe you just have one. Have you started building that relationship with them? Or are you concerned about everything else? You see, the Spirit fills us with the power to proclaim the gospel. If you feel this morning that you are ill-equipped to share the gospel, that's not a promise from God. He fills you with what you need. Have you invited anyone to church? And if you haven't, why? Why haven't you invited someone to church? I want to challenge everyone in the room to invite someone who is far from God to join you next Sunday to come to church. And I'm going to keep saying that over and over and over again until you're really annoyed. You're going to have to find a theological reason to get me to shut up. You're not going to find it. Invite someone to come and see to come and experience. There is zero reason not to build, share, and bring. The filling of the Spirit makes us able to do His work. And then lastly in our reading, we see this, that the evidence of the Spirit always means devotion to kingdom work. You see, Spirit-filled people will be devoted to the things that God asks us to be devoted to. We will be devoted to his word. We will be devoted to gathering together and to fellowship. And we will be devoted to prayer. Look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The work of the Word and the work of the Spirit, they were on display in the early church. I've challenged you to do this before, but just read the book of Acts and not be blown away by what you see take place there. The Spirit of God has lit the flame, and these people are, are just ready to go. 
They're ready to experience. They're ready to live this spirit-filled life. God was doing crazy things around them, and he used them. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. They didn't neglect it. They didn't neglect the fellowship that they had with one another, the time they got to spend together and pray. And Luke says, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done. They would have missed that if there wasn't a devotion to the Spirit's work. In verse 44, we see that the Spirit fills people to walk together in unity. Not preference, but kingdom work. We are not walking in unity because we agree on all of our preferences. We walk in unity when we rally around kingdom things that have nothing to do with preference. And that's what Jesus has called you and me to be about. We can have our fun discussions about all the things that we disagree about, all of the, all of the things. I'm not going to get into all the things. But all who believed were together and had all things in common. And you'll see this highlighted throughout the epistles to the churches. The things that they need to have in common. Kingdom things. We walk together in unity for a kingdom purpose. We also see here in verse 45 that spirit-filled people, they serve one another. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There was a, an attitude of humility in the early church. They actually cared about one another. They would sell something to meet someone else's need. They would give something up to meet the need of someone else. Spirit-filled people serve one another. Spirit-filled people are just devoted people. Verse 46, and day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord continued to add to their number day by day those who were being saved. Because when we live the life that Christ has called us to live, when we live a life that is fully devoted to him, he honors it and he blesses it and he adds to our number those who are being saved. So if you want to see our church grow, if you want to see us get stronger, you will care about people who are far from God. If you want to see our church grow and get stronger, you will care about making disciples who make disciples. If you care about our church getting stronger, you will care about kingdom things and not just your preferences. You will care about the things that God actually cares about. He will bless us. He will bless us when we are faithful and devoted to the things that he cares about. The early church was devoted to worship and praise. 
It wasn't the how they worshipped. It was the who they worshipped. They made disciples. They loved people. They had a spirit-filled mission. And it's easy to read Acts chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way through to the end of it and be jealous of what we see and not believe that those same things can't happen today. But that's a lie from a different spirit. And we're called to test the spirits. The same spirit that lit this flame in Acts chapter 2 is the same spirit that you have and that I have today. We don't do any of this in our own power. We don't do any of this for our own glory. We do it for his honor, his glory, and his praise. It's all about him. It's all about his kingdom. It's not about our kingdom. It's all about him. The filling of the spirit makes us able to do his work. And it's his work that I want to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of some other pastor's work from 50, 60, 70 years ago. I don't want to be a part of some movement that that happened in the history books. I want to be a part of something today. But we are helpless without him. But powerful with him. His power is our power. He promises us his power. We empty ourselves out. He fills us up. He increases, we decreases. He gets all the honor and all the glory. Our emptiness or our lack of power is filled with his power. Our inability to do his work is corrected. It's fixed. It's changed. It's taken away by the filling of his power. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying this morning? If we want to do kingdom work, we must be filled with his power. I have worked really hard in my life to do things in my own power. And maybe you, you have a really warped view of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. I, I, I did. It was the forgotten God in my walk with, with Jesus. Several years ago, I, I just started praying, God, I, I have all of you that I need. Help me to rely on it more. Help me to, help me to depend on you more. Because I can never do the things that you called me to do, that you've asked me to do, that you've commanded me to do without your spirit filling me up. You see, the filling of the spirit makes us able to do his work. If we're going to do the work of reaching people who are far from God, and and I say that carefully because it's not our work. It's his work. We just get to witness it. The disciples in Acts 2, that wasn't Peter's work. 3,000 people giving their hearts to Jesus was not Peter's work. It was the Spirit of God's work. And that's what makes a difference. And that's what makes a change. The filling of the Spirit makes us able to do what he's called us to do. So last week we talked about what the promise was. This week we talked about why we need the promise. And come back next week to find out what the promise does in our day-to-day lives.
because the filling of the Spirit makes us able to do his work. For just a moment, I'd like for you to just, in a posture of reflection, just with your eyes closed, just thinking about the Spirit's work in your life. Have you been trying to do all the things in your own power? Or have you been trusting him? Have you been living a life that is filled with his spirit? Maybe this morning you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This Holy Spirit stuff is, is just so foreign to you this morning because you don't know the Savior, because the Spirit of God is not living inside of you. And so maybe this morning you need to call on Jesus to save you from your sin because your sin has separated you from him. And you didn't know that Jesus came and he lived that life that we could never live, that he paid the price for our sin and that he offers us life and eternity in heaven for those who would repent, who would confess and acknowledge their sin and call on Jesus to save them. And you can be like those people in Acts chapter two. You can repent, believe, be saved, and be given the Holy Spirit. And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you have more questions. Maybe you would love to have a conversation with someone about what all of this means, this, this Savior that came and died for me, and the Spirit that works in me. Maybe you have questions, and we would love to sit down and have that conversation with you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful this morning for who you are and what you've done in our world. Lord, we're so grateful for the promise of the Holy Spirit that, that you didn't just leave us here powerless, but that as we begin that relationship with you, as we call on you to save us in that very moment, you come and you fill us up with all that we need to do all that you've called us to do. God, we need you. God, we need your spirit to do the work that you've called us to do. And you use us as willing vessels who are obedient to the Spirit's work in our lives to do a work in our world. So God, fill your people this week to care about the people that you care about, to care about the things that you care about, to do the work that you've called and commanded each and every one of us to do. God, we get to witness your work. And we're thankful for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us this morning for worship. Uh, we want to thank you as well for your continued support of our ministries through the giving of your tithes and your offerings. Each and every week you can give on your way out the door, but the easiest way for you to give consistently is to go to mywhbc.com and you can give online there. But we're grateful for your partnership and kingdom work, and we'll see you all next Sunday.